Hey, yes, Jesuits, if you love listening to the podcast as much as we love making it, we'd like to ask you to support the show however you can. We have launched a Buy Me a Coffee page where you can make a one-time contribution to keep the show running. And if you really, really, really love us, please consider becoming a monthly sponsor. Links to Buy Me a Coffee and becoming a monthly sponsor are in our show notes and on our website, yasjesuspod.com. If you can't donate right now, please, please consider leaving us a review on Apple and Spotify podcast, following us on social media, and sharing us with a friend. All of these things help us to bring you new episodes. So, to all the zaddies and mama bears and everyone out there who already subscribes and support us, thank you so much. We seriously could not do this without you. And now, without further ado, on to the show. Hello, kings and queens and in-between sinner saints. I don't know if I is or I ain't. Welcome to another film-tastic episode of Yes, Jesus! I'm film star Daniel Francesi, and as always, I'm here with my bestie. The small screen star, Azaria Southward. I'm here at Yes, Jesus, we believe. He's got the whole world in his hands. He got the whole world. Don't he have the whole world in his hands? This is a wild new venture for us because we are coming to you live, coast to coast and around the world, all the way from Tel Aviv. This is true. Yash Jesus has turned global. We done did it on you. <laughs> we sure did. Turn you on your head, honey. Uh, we are at the Tel Aviv International LGBTQ Film Festival. This is so exciting. I have always wanted to take the show on the road since the beginning. And of course, COVID messed up all those plans. But here we are on our very own pilgrimage. Um, I was invited to be a juror, a rural juror, and to perform my comedy at the festival. And a little award, no big deal. So since I got a gig, I thought, hey, let's bring Yes Jesus along with me. Yeah, so I packed all my dildos and our equipment, and now <laughs> we are set up at the Cinematheque in front of a live audience member. Of one! <laughs> of one! <laughs> Hello, Yes Jesus audience! Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. <laughs> this is my good friend, actor Jay Bavaro, um, who has been joining us here on this trip. And let me tell you what. Um, we are going to get into this because we have been watching a lot and a lot of movies. We were trying to do the show in front of a live audience, but you know what? Everyone's watching movies and it just was going to be too noisy. But you know what? We're recording from the other half of the world. So pray for us. <laughs> At least we're gonna get done. <laughs> um, but wait, there's so much going on. There's so much to talk about. But right now we're going to get right into LGBTQ students at religious schools staged walkouts on National Coming Out Day. The walkouts took place at over 50 schools to demand changes in how these schools treat LGBTQ students. And I want to add these schools that receive Title IX funding. And guess who was behind it? Oh, who? Our friends at the Religious Exemption Accountability Project, this was part of their Strike Out Homophobia Project. It used the national attention on National Coming Out Day, which seems really fitting, doesn't you know, I love a good conspiracy? <laughs> <laughs> what you reap is what you sow. Thank you reap. Uh, one of the biggest walkouts was at Brigham Young University. It was a partnership between REAP and a group called the Black Menaces, a group of black Mormon students at BYU who have started to share tickets. TikTok videos of the instances of racism that they encounter daily. It is so powerful when students stand up for themselves. We love that here. And the intersectional support for one another is definitely 
without being. That's right. We None of us are free until we're all free. That's right. And we're here to support you. Um, congratulations on a successful walkout. Um, it made our news. Um, and that's something to be grateful for, isn't yes, it? it is. Which and brings we... us to the praise report and prayer request section of our show. This is where if you have a little something you want to hallelujah about, like everything's going great. You're skipping down the street. You're just like, God is good. God is great. And if the devil doesn't like it, he, he can, can sit, sit on, on attack. attack. Wow, sit, sit on, on attack. attack. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you let us know and we will hallelujah along with you. But if you need a prayer request, if you're just like, Lord, like I am lost. I have not been found yet. And you want to be singing that amazing grace. Well, let us know and we will pray for you. And we'll have our listeners pray along with you. We're going to start with a prayer request, Azzy, actually. Um, we got one coming to us from Beth. Uh, Beth says, Please give me prayers for strength and patience to all the adult children trying to support their aging parents, but encountering no every time they try to recommend steps to be safer and better cared for. Now, let me tell you something. I was, you know, I know all about this. It's just, you know, totally uh, bringing my mom back from the brink um, after uh, so many um, ailments. She was dealing with fibromyalgia. She was dealing with rheumatoid arthritis and then also a double hip replacement and just didn't look like herself, you know, just really didn't look like herself. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. But, you know, I had to put my foot down and, you know, some, some people say, you know, at some point the kid becomes the parent, but I don't think that's what we're doing. I think it's actually the kid rising up to do to the duty of exactly what we're supposed to do. And they brought, they gave us life and we're supposed to help them, um, out, you know, and, and keep them around as long as we can and keep them healthy. So it is very dire need, these kind of prayers. So I will pray for, for strength, Beth, uh, whether it's for you or for, for people, you know, just in general, for all of us out there who are adult children trying to help our, um, our elders. Yes. Yeah, strength coming your way, Beth, in the name of Jesus. Ooh, name it and claim it. Yes. Well, we have a praise report. This comes from Danielle in the kingdom that is united. Truly global. Yes, Jesus <laughs> is truly global. We are everywhere. Um, we are in the United Kingdom now. Okay, tell us, what is this praise report? What's the hallelujah today, darling? <laughs> well, today we will be hallelujahing about inclusive gathering Birmingham. Uh, they have moved into Birmingham's gay village as of a few weeks ago and meeting at the main bar in the Centra. An amazing series of Holy Spirit events led to this and so lovely to experience the hospitality and commit ourselves to being part of the flourishing of the village. Exciting times and Danielle says, come visit. Danielle, Kisses. don't tempt me. Do you have an award for me? I'll show up. <laughs> Honestly, I'll go to the opening pip, of a wound. Like, I'll do whatever you need. <laughs> I'm here for you. Um, we're so grateful for that, Danielle. Thank you for sharing that hallelujah. Um, God is good. Birmingham, get it. Um, we're going to be right back, you guys, with the scripture of the day. It's time for the scripture of uh, the day. Yeah. Scripture of the day. You don't even know. Scripture of the day. It's soul food. Tell us all about it. Matthew 6, 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. I just got new contacts. Is that what we're talking about? Is this about me again? Okay. No. It's always about uh, you. <laughs> you know, this show is a party in the Holy Land because wherever we go, we bring the party with us. Party. And honey, do they love to party? 
Um, yes, Jesus is going places and doing things. We've never been to Israel before, so we are going to take advantage of this trip 100%, Danny. We are, we are taking advantage of all of our meal vouchers, and <laughs> we are going to walk where Jesus walked, and we are going to visit the holy sites. We're going to meet people and talk to them about their faith and their lives, and we are even going to attend a tiny little queer bar in Jerusalem. You better believe it. Maybe Jesus went there one time? Maybe. I mean, who knows what it was before? <laughs> well, and along the way, we are going to collect some comments, some prayers, and some praise that we can share with you in some of the coming episodes. But first, there is work to do. Now, I was invited here to be a juror. That means that I am watching queer films for my job, which is a pretty amazing job, I have to say. Pretty dope. That's pretty sick. And we wanted to spend a little time talking about some of the queer Christian films that are included in this film festival. Yes, 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 yes. But before we get into the films, I had one other part of my job that was super cool, and I just want to tell you about it. Um, as you know, I do stand-up comedy, and I got to be the host of my own gay stand-up show as part of the film festival. So I do the House of Glen Coco, like a film festival we've done in San Francisco. We've done it in it. London. We've done it um, in New York. We've done it in LA. But guess what? We are now doing it in Tel Aviv. And honestly, this is going to be the first time that there is a queer stand-up show with all queer stand-ups in Israel. And probably the Middle East. Yes, in general. probably in the Middle East. I, I don't think that I'm wrong for, for probably um, agreeing with you. Um, I got to introduce uh, drag queen Yosel and stand-up comedian Talia Bertford. And here's the coolest part. They did their shows in Hebrew. Now, I don't know Hebrew, so I just had to wish them a shalom and let them do their thing, you know? Oh, and I also got an award. <laughs> Get it. Yes, Tell I us about honor, that. I got what an honorary this? award for being for uh, being queer contribution in cinema. And I have to tell you, um, I was really honored. It was really sweet. Um, it was a nice moment, and it looked really great on my shelf. I got up and I told the story about uh, how during Mean Girls, who knew that it was going to be so influential to queer people, uh, that the character Damien was going to be something that queer youth could look to and say, oh, that's me, and feel comfortable roaming the halls of their high school. It's a story that I've been telling for 10 years, um, ever since the 10th anniversary. Uh, it, it compelled me to come out. Y'all know it already. And if, you know, But what I've been really realizing now that we're approaching the 20th anniversary next year, which, oh my gosh, you know, like Mean Girls is 20 years old. Like, it's crazy. Um, but um, now I'm realizing that because Damien wasn't a fully uh, realized out character, that because uh, Damien never said, I'm gay, or had someone to kiss, or whatever, that that character was able to make it through the censors and and make it um, into places and territories where queer stuff is cut out. You know, there's all this like big uprising about like, oh, in light year, there's like a same sex kiss between two women or, oh, there's two moms pushing a stroller, God forbid, and <laughs> finding Dory. But this is like um, something where... Uh, you, you made it past the one million mom censor. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> get it really. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think optics alone, like if you were not listening to the sound, you, Damien's not doing anything quote unquote gay, you know, right, 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 and the right, one thing right. that they do say about him is he's too gay to function. And then he gets upset about it a little bit. So you think that perhaps like, I think it might pass some censors. And so that's why I got no, I got a lot. I was wondering, but I got a lot of messages from people in Africa and Asia and things like that saying that they had seen it. But one in spe specifically really touched me. Yasada Koub, who is um, an incredible <laughs> director 
um, who grew up in Dubai. Um, he directed Trixie Mattel's video, Hello, Hello, which was uh, choreographed by the Ganja Stranja and won the Queer Tea Award. And he also directed the movie Cherry Pop, Straight Out of College. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he came up to me with tears in his eyes after accepting his award and just wanted to let me know, because we had worked together once before, but it was a whirlwind, as he like. I got off the plane. I showed up on set. It was that music I, video, right? It was a music video yeah, banjo yeah. for um, yeah Baby? for Baby Sahara, yeah, yeah, yeah. Benet. And I just um, I did her music video. I came in. I love her. I I did my job and I left. It was one of those. I didn't even really get to like hang out on set all day or anything like that because I was only in town for twenty four hours. Uh, so we met and we got along, but we didn't really like kiki. Uh-huh. And then at the Queerty Awards, he came up to me and he was just like, um, you know. Uh, your movie, when I saw it when I was a kid, it was the only gay person I ever got to see that wasn't an abomination or wasn't being persecuted or wasn't being yelled at. Or It was just an amazing thing to see. And it was because of you that I knew I could come to America and mm. have a career in film and knew that there was a safe space for me. And mm. I, that just moved me beyond words. Yeah. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, who yeah. knew, like, back then when I was a closeted person, taking this risk to play this role i mean obviously it was an amazing opportunity working mm-hmm. with all of those incredible people that nobody probably would have turned down regardless but i was scared i was nervous about certain things took a girl on the red carpet for the premiere you know like and um now here you know i was able to make it okay for such great people to be able to feel comfortable in their own skin and that's why um representation is important and that is why we are here uh, talking about the films where there's more queer representation happening in a place like Israel. Yeah. Um, which, you know, Tel Aviv is a, a very queer friendly city, but, um, you know, lots of places in the Middle East are not. And, you know, this is an incredible time to, uh, in history, uh, to be able to talk about all of this and yeah. to be able to see it. And I just want to insert real quick before we move on that I've seen it time and time again at the Eagle, people coming up to you telling you how much the, the character has meant. I've seen it all the different scenarios we've been in together and then out here today on the steps of the cinematech uh the one kid that we were talking to saying what how how what mean girls meant and how you know um so you're right the representation matters and the fact that it made it out here and in so many other parts of the world just so people can see themselves reflected is truly like a gift people honestly ask how that feels it's an out-of-body experience i don't like take pleasure in it but i do I do go, I do have like a little bit of a sigh of comfort for the other person. Like, it's not like it doesn't feed my ego like you think it would, or like even maybe I thought it would before I experienced this. But when someone goes, Oh, that was a relief. I'm like, Oh, I'm glad you had a relief. Like that's, that's the feeling that honestly I get first. Um, and I, I, it, it's removed from me because a lot of times I feel like when it comes to compliments and things like that, especially in like showbiz industry, like if I believe all of the people who tell me they love me, then I have to believe all the people that tell me they hate me. So there's sort of like a numbness in that, you know, mm-hmm. but when I do know that it brings people comfort, um, that is something that truly fills my heart because I, because I was very uncomfortable. So when I go, oh, it saved you from that, great. You know, I thank Tina more than me, but I'm like, but at least it was, um, you know, something that could give somebody some solace. I think there's a lot of things in tonight, in in, in this festival, uh, to segue into, into the meat and taters here, but I think there's a lot of things about this festival that's been really eye-opening for me. I didn't know that I was going to see such progressive things coming over here to Israel. didn't know what to expect. I mean, you hear things about all different parts of the world, and the opening night film was a film called uh, In Dead. Um, and they also had another alternate title for it. It was Party um, Like the World like it was Party Like the World is Ending. And it was intense, this movie. Um, it was a movie that took place uh, at Pride, where there's an open shooter and a girl gets killed and this 
male and female friend couple, kind of like a, maybe like a little bit more sexy Will and Grace kind of situation, um, end up hiding out in the house and they pick up like a tweaking guy um, who is like looking really scared and panicky. And they all spend the, the, the time together in the house. But there's an overlying, again, it is another, it's a horror movie, but it's uh, where horror movies are going these days, which are real life horrors, like things that could actually happen, you know, um, as opposed to it being supernatural or um, anything like that. Uh, and it was uh, frightening because the, the boogeyman of the film was meth. And I think that that's something that, you know, is we, you, we talk about it from time to time. We've mentioned it on the show, but I think it's something. Um, and I have my friend, actor Jay Bavaro here with me. Hey, Jay. Hi, guys. Uh, who's joining us here on the podcast. And, you know, he's somebody who, before Azzy arrived, saw a lot of the movies with me. And as you weren't here for that film. Right. The open yeah, night. right. But Jay, like, what did you think about the movie? The movie was haunting. It was superbly acted and directed. Yes, I agree really like an impressive way to start off. Like this is like what you're going to be in for, for this particular film festival. And it, it was, it was extremely moving and intense and, and scary. While it felt like a party at sometimes, cause it had such Absolutely. incredible music. Absolutely. Um, the music was supplied by, um, uh, well, from the scene, an incredible DJ, incredible uh, Israeli DJ. Yes. Um, and um, the, so the music was pumping and the energy was right and the sexuality was riveting. But um, there is this demon that we have in our community. Absolutely. It's an epidemic in our community. Yeah, and, I mean, it's come to our doorstep through people that we know. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I see um, I, I, while I travel and I'm on dating apps and things like that, uh, there's always some sort of like signifier uh, where it's like, oh, a little diamond or like a balloon in the South for partying. Or, or the little party emoji with the confetti. Uh, capital the, T. Yeah, yeah, the capital, capital T, T uh, regularly in text. And this is something, if you don't know if you're listening, that are signifiers that people like to use crystal or meth or Tina, which is it's commonly known as a um, nickname in the queer community. And I think that... Uh, this movie showed the horrors of that, like at an ultimate level. And I think um, it was cringy. And I think it's something that we need to face. It's a demon that we all need to face and like in our community and recognize as an epidemic. I mean, it is ruining our community. Yeah. And people that get addicted to meth, um, it changes the neuro pathways in their mind. It changes how your brain functions. And it's only about 6% of people that try to get sober are successfully able to get sober. And so it's 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 really a heartbreaking thing to watch your loved ones to go through and always trying to be there for them. And you don't know how to save them as much as you want to. I, I mean, I don't necessarily believe this statement, but uh, there was a powerful one regardless. But I have a friend that said that it's the one drug that love can't conquer. And I, that always sat with me, you know, of, of something that's important in our community. Here's the official description, um, as if you want to read it of the movie. So this is the official description of In Bed. So a 28-year-old guy and his best friend, Joy, are opening the gay pride parade to the fullest when their bliss is abruptly put to an end by a deadly shooting that occurs during the event. Fleeing the scene into the safety of Guy's home, they take along a fellow Pride-goer, Dan, who seems to be in shock. With the shooter still on the run, Guy and Dan fall into a night of full sex, drugs, 
and paranoia. I absolutely recommend um, you catch this movie. Jay, what do you think? Get your full review. Oh, 100%. I mean, but to, to Azzy's point, it's like, you know, meth makes people do things that they would absolutely never, ever, ever do before they ever tried meth. And that was what it made it a horror movie. Mm. Like you said, you know, it's, it's, it's something that becomes, it becomes horrible, you know, in, in one night, how he could completely almost ruin his life because yeah. of, of one little choice that he made because it was a night of passion and he was, he was scared and, and he <laughs> overdid it. It's so crazy that we're talking about this. And I think we even discussed this on the episode where we talked about meth uh, before, but um, when nine 11 happened, I used to, I was working as a, a doorman at a club. Meth was huge at that time. It, yeah, in New York. And I, I was working as a doorman at a, at a club, and there was this. Uh, I would call him a, a businessman, like probably like a financial guy or like Wall Street guy in New York City. Like he used to come into the club every week, and um, I saw him come in looking like just. You know, yes, exactly. And I said, "Are you okay? Like, how are you doing?" Because we were checking in on everybody. We made an um, optional cover that day that we were donating uh, to the first responders, yeah, and the families and victims. And um, it was just so solemn, you know, for, especially for a pop club that was all pop music. The club. Yeah. And when he walked in, um, he told me that when nine eleven happened, he felt like the world was going to end. And he walked outside, and a homeless man asked him if he wanted to smoke crack, and he just did. Never thought he would in his life. Never cared to in his life. Incidentally, he ended up making out with the homeless man. <laughs> and he, that's when he was telling me, he was like, oh, my God, I got to, like, what is going on? Uh, but, like, um, I was we like, th- We wow. think that's going to fix our trauma. We're looking for something to fix the whatever traumatic event that we just went through. It sat with me because, you know, people say, what would you do if the world was going to end? Like, what would you do? What, was the la- what would be the last thing you would do if you knew you had an hour or whatever? And, like. I don't know if it would necessarily be go outside and smoke crack, but like the fact that that's what, <laughs> that was the fact that this guy had right. done, like it was so shocking to me. Always saw him like coming from work, like you know, even in the club, he was still like a little too businessy, like in a suit or whatever. And here he is just like unraveling, like at the last minute, what a, what a poor choice. I also have a friend who at 37 years old, never tried meth. And then during the quarantine decided to get onto meth. It's like, I mean, please, if you're listening to this and you're considering it, don't do it. Yeah, honestly, it's, it's I'm not, not like a, I'm not a naysayer of drugs or 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 um, a sexual experimentation or I mean, I'm a pre- pretty much like a free going kind of person when it comes to a lot of those things. But this is the one that you just don't. This do. is going to bring you down. I also feel like this type of drug use is is kind of like almost a byproduct of mental trauma and disorders, and I think that that's been a very big through line from almost all of the movies that I think that we've seen so far. Well, interesting enough, isn't it a through line in the career community? Like, isn't it something that LGBTQ people were all dealing with 100%. all kinds of trauma? We have church hurt. We have family hurt. We have society hurt or societal hurt. There's so much hurt that we're going through, but this isn't a healing thing. This is a numbing thing. And it's an, it's a numbing thing that will ruin your life. I mean, almost anyone who's ever said, I think they put cameras in the trees near my house or or yeah. a person who seemingly was Par- paranoia is a huge sign of of use, and you know a lot of people think immediately of meth as something that d- destroys your skin and teeth, and that's the sign that people are using. And yes, that's true. But eventually, exactly. But that's something that you get to, and uh, a lot of people who are actively using um, and haven't made it to that point, the signs are to look for are paranoia, uh, behaviors that they are not normally doing. You know, continuing in the through line of the shows that we saw, we also saw another film that we all three of us saw called Hypochondriac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, this is another psychological horror film just showing what happens when past trauma isn't addressed properly. It is not pretty. No. So here's the official description of Hypochondriac. 
Will is a young artist who seems to have it all, a loving partner and a job in pottery that he loves despite his annoying boss. And trust me, she's annoying. <laughs> Unfortunately, under his cool Latino facade hides a dark past of violence and mental illness he is desperate to hide. When Will's bipolar mother gets in touch after years of silence, Will starts to experience inexplicable symptoms. After getting injured at work, Will gradually loses the use of his arms and something evil is lurking in the shadows. Will is becoming obsessed, determined to solve the mystery of his past. He begins to suspect his partner, loses control over his body, and starts seeing a strange wolf figure whenever he's in a crisis. Is he turning into his mother? It was really a well-made film and I loved how they used the videography like all the different angles from the bird's eye view to like the tilted angle and uh, there was one scene where he was walking up the stairs like after an interaction with his mom to go ask his dad for help I believe it was and the the camera was looking through the floor which was made of glass as he was walking up the spiral staircase it's beautiful like there was like almost like it was a wood floor with glass tiles in it I believe that were see-through and it was filming through the floor up coming up the stairs i mean it was mesmerizing it really was but oftentimes i directors and 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 will use that as a way to help disorient or bring the viewer into that mental space and to me it was learning what the relationship between the father and son was it was it was like distant and uh, unsupportive and like and so that shot was very visually a great descriptive of the relationship of how it made me feel as the viewer um it was it was like looking through a, a glass you know and and like he's there but not touchable and not reachable you know and his father just wasn't yeah, it, that, it was it was a it truly was a horror movie. It was a haunted house of mental health issues. Yes, um, yeah, you know his Very mother well was mental Ill, mentally ill. The father um, had his own kind of mental blocks, and he himself was dealing with panic attacks and and all and, and visions and uh, like borderline schizophrenia, even like through his bipolar disorder. Uh, disorder, um, and it was um, it, it definitely was uh, riveting. What did you think? And this particular film resonated with me because of the fact that and I always kind of go back to this, that people don't, people do not address mental disorders. You know, they don't, they, you know, they look at the byproducts of it. They look at the drug use. They look at the acting out. They looked at, they look at the alcoholism. They don't look at what the real situation is. And it's, mm. it's almost always mental, mental sickness. And I've lost people in my life because of that. And, and it's like, it's, you look back and you're like, <clears throat> nobody ever, address the mental sickness of the situation they just was like oh that person's a drug that person's a a, a drug addict but it's the real it, it's trickled the down of the, of the root of the issue is the the mental illness and it happens you know it, 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 all the time i also feel like a lot of mental illness goes undiagnosed like people who are bipolar don't don't get diagnosed as that as such or like uh, people with panic attacks are like you, you just calm down he's over dramatic exactly. or she's over dramatic and not really paying attention to the severity of the situation or the way the person's feeling inside when they're going through those kind of emotions it's difficult in uh, family relationships and romantic relationships and work relationships um re relational um difficulty comes with all mental illness. And so um, it was interesting to see it uh, portrayed in that way. And then also 
with a little bit of like horror whimsy. Like it had a little bit of horror whimsy mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, there was Donnie definitely Depp some film. comedic yeah. relief uh, in there as well. Um, we got to talk to the director a little bit and ask questions afterwards. And it was interesting. Uh, he explained, someone asked about why a wolf. And if you're saying a wolf, yeah, which is wolf. so funny, it's a wolf, wolf. in my in my world, wolf. but you're like a wolf, like you're trying to <laughs> top message me on scruff. You're not wrong. People are like, I just, anytime I can make fun of Azzy, it's like, <laughs> it's a good time. Yes. So someone asked him why a wolf. Yeah. Add the L back in. Yeah. Right. And Worsh. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I forget the answer that he gave, but I, I also had the same question, why a wolf? And um, it made me think of like, there's that old that proverb about like, you know, the wolves that lives inside of us and which one you feed and becomes the stronger one. And so that's, I thought that maybe that's the direction he was going in with the film. I think that he also said that it was kind of an in-between animal. It's like, it's not a dog and it's not a prehistoric right. animal. And it's kind of the marriage of, mm. of the two and that gray area of accepting your demon of your bipolar or your schizophrenia or whatever it is, but then also getting back to your real life and healing. Yeah. So yes, just so it's uh, the wolf shows up uh, in all of the traumatic scenes when he's having his mental breakdowns and having uh, a bit of a crisis. Um, and it was uh, a great way to, to, to explain that. Um, yeah. And I loved the ending of the film where it's him and his partner and the wolf, you know, I'm not going to give it away because you you need to go see it. You need to look it up and watch this film. But there's a beautiful scene, truly. And the way he described how that scene came about was really cool because it wasn't supposed to happen. Right. And getting to talk to Addison, Addison Hyman, you know, listening to him speak and getting to kind of hang out with him and, and listening to his story made it so much more special, you know, because you knew it was, it was dangerously personal. And you can see what he went through. And then you saw him come out of the other side and, and he's a wonderful guy and talented, you know? So if you're listening to this and you're experiencing that or know someone who's experiencing that, there is another side, you know, there's a way to come out. A great movie to check out. Um, so please definitely uh, go check out Hypochondriac. Two of the films that screened uh, that got their own special, yes, Jesus treatment. I'm talking about Mama Bears. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and Wonderfully Made. Yeah, yeah. And we do get to have a conversation with the uh, executive producer and director of Wonderfully Made. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, make sure you do. Um, this is a dark film festival so far. Well, I, that's what I kind of like what you guys do because you're, you're always talking about good news, it seems. Do you know what I'm saying? Even if it starts off as... Uh, a headline or something that is negative you always talk about the the spin about how it's rectified or how goodness comes out of it and i appreciate it. well that's the gospel honey yeah. gospel means good news <laughs> you know I, I feel like you know um a lot of our you know lgbtq stories are dark but um in this instance um a lot of the ones that they put into some of these festivals, especially the ones that exhibit at night have that energy. Like, right. and I, th- I think that the good that can come out of it is the change that can come from seeing films like these. Um, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily all be, you know, rom-coms or whatever, or lifetime movies. Well, I think that it's given license to explore those darker moments that lead to that type of light, you know, like, 
I mean, these two films were like bangers, you know, they were intense and, and it wasn't just, it's, it's not just echo chamber. It's, you know, it could, it, anybody could see these movies and be moved and touched by the performances and, and the story, because it's, it's not just telling your friend what you think and them saying, yup, I agree. It's, it's spreading the word. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm spreading the good well, news. Well, I think there is queer joy in Mama Bears and Wonderfully Made. I think because, again, they're talking about subjects where people are fighting back against uh, a negativity, a negative response to LGBTQ people. Uh, Mama Bears being moms who won't let you mess with their kids. That's right. And uh, <laughs> Wonderfully Made that's saying, hey, Catholic Church, why do you keep messing with you know the queers? Like, And I think that standing up for yourself, there is a root of joy in that. So one of my jobs, well, my main focus here at the Tel Aviv LGBTQ International Film Festival has been a juror to select the winner for short in the shorts program. Mm -hmm. And usually when I judge gay shorts, uh, it's involved with a wet t-shirt contest um, at the Eagle. But this is completely different. Um, there's, I've seen a lot of them, um, and but I haven't seen all of them yet. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, I will be giving... Um, a little bit more attention to some than others, but you know, short films are things that are very hard to see and very hard to come by. So I guess, you know, um, giving a light to any of them is doing a service uh, to the artists. Uh, there was one called Alfie, which was about uh, vegan lesbians who end up falling in love at, during a protest. Um, <laughs> that was kind of interesting. <laughs> then there was another one called uh, Grace Under Pressure, and this was hitchhiking lesbians. Oh, this the first block was a lesbian block. I'm just going to let you know okay. they're not all lesbian okay. shorts. Okay. Okay. Um, I have lesbian shorts. I haven't even seen at Paris since college. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Grace Under Pressure was um, hitchhiking lesbians who end up having a threesome, even though one of them is a virgin. Like that was interesting. Um, Something blue was a woman who's getting married and her friend who is in love with her accidentally bleeds on her wedding gown Ooh. and ends up giving her a blue sash to cover it. Um, that was really impactful. Um, uh, there was another one called Big Science where two women two women flirt, uh, but one of them is in love with the science teacher. And that was okay. interesting. Um, Exemplar, which was ballet girls uh, fight as one of them falls in love with the teacher. Um, that could either be true or maybe I was a little tired when I wrote that note. <laughs> <laughs> then um, there was one called Belongs to a Nat, where uh, this is one of my favorites in the festival, uh, spoiler alert, but this will come out way after I judge. Uh, but this was one where a girl has a breakup and then um, uh, gets locked out of her house and then convinces her gay neighbor to sell her his karaoke machine and then goes and sings to her lover in her office building. Oh, cute. And at the end, um, at the end, they'll just, you know, tell you, but the, uh, the, the ex-girlfriend comes out and says, it's over, but I'll give you one last hug. And <laughs> they kind of have like this really sweet moment. It wasn't that bitchy. <laughs> it was pretty bitchy. <laughs> it was bitchy, but then, yeah, I guess you're right. It was bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> but the color and the music in that one really got me. I thought right. it was really well. I mean, that was one that I really loved. There was um, a lot of humor in that moment. Was, yeah. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> uh, there was different shores where the mother and daughter take a trip to, uh, to the Dead Sea and she reveals her sexuality to her and honestly I'm exp I'm looking forward to visiting the Dead Sea as well yeah, so. um, you can float in it I, well I'm more into like the part where you put the mud all over your body because I just wanted to like, do both I'm going to do both. I'm going to be muddy and You're floating. You're going to be a floating mud guy. <laughs> um, There's personal reader where a lady stalks her writer ex. Um, there was Dove Love where a professional cuddler uh, sleeps with a, with, with a houseless man okay. amongst the pigeons. Houseless? Yes. On house. Um, Is that politically correct? Yes, that's politically oh, okay. correct. 
you um houseless is the way to say it or uh no one is without a home or unhoused i believe also um and then this new era where a flight attendant is quarantined with a new love and has to deal with the pain of being in an open relationship Uh, that was interesting um there was Corona Diaries, which was a mini doc, uh, which was a young gay struggles with his family and the love and accept and his love and acceptance during quarantine. This one struck me too, because it was a series of videos of his family fighting him and calling him um, all these uh, queer expletives and uh, being really horrible to him. Being really horrible to him, and you know his mother seemed to be suffering with some sort of mental illness, and then. Um, he ends up meeting somebody and filming part of that relationship. And then that goes sour. And then he ends up joining Grinder and films his whole first foray into joining Grinder and finding out, uh, he, you know, he says, I feel like I'm attractive. Am I attractive? And then I think, um, was it Doc? I feel like it was back in, maybe it's doc and narrative mixed, yeah, right. I, you know, I but it was, it, you know, because part of it had to go, had, when, you know, I like that aspect, but I have to tell I you, even that. when filming a documentary, um, I've worked on a few documentaries in the past before. And I remember getting a tip from Theron Smothers, who's the, uh, EVP over at world of wonder, who's like worked on countless docs, including all of the uh, drag race things. And he said, don't be afraid to reshoot something like, you know, it is a documentary, but you have to can tell the story. So I feel like this was doc, but then like also had some reshot moments maybe to translate a little bit. Cause, cause especially what really struck me because I felt this way was he was like, I feel like I'm an attractive guy. Am I an attractive guy? He's like, I guess I'll join Grindr and find out. And that is not the place to get engaged <laughs> <laughs> like, on, on who you are or, or yeah. how you feel or whatever. And he had some, some skin acne, um, which was accelerated by the stress, I believe, of what he was going through at the time with the quarantine. And, you know, he wasn't real well received on Grinder because of that. And then later on, uh, when he's talking to his mother again, you know, she brings it up to him and she's like, you really need to get on some kind of medication for that. Like you look horrible. And I think it's all the things that are hitting him are hitting him at once. And um, I don't know, it's just nice to see like a coming of age uh, story like that. It was that. beautiful. It was beautiful. And then there was Show Me Everyone. And this was, seemed to be like a really big audience favorite. Uh, but this was a guy who uh, is called Show Me Everyone. And he was like on Tinder and looking at women while his friends were all harassing him and joking about how he never gets laid. And, you know, he never tries to get anything with, with a girl. And he, hook, he goes to hook up with a girl and it goes well or whatever. But then he decides to change his profile to show me everyone. Mm-hmm. And he has an experience with a guy. And then walking home kind of, you know, you don't know if he's gay or bi or whatever, but he definitely had that experience and enjoyed it. And I think, like, you know, what does that mean? And I think uh, that was a cool queer story to tell, especially um, in a place like Israel, you know. like And so uh, we definitely see a lot of really cool things here at the festival. There's a lot more going on. Um, I'm going to be doing a screening of Mean Girls also mm-hmm. yeah. and talking more in depth about uh, the significance of, the ca- of my character. Uh, but you know, um, here's another fun thing. Okay, the t- the Tel Aviv International LG- LGBTQ Film Festival also had drag queen story hours. More than one of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so that was really cool. They had the, the drag queens in the festival um, reading to children, and um, the. Take that, Marjorie Taylor Green, and Ron DeSantin. Yeah, who is the. Um, creator of the festival was saying um he hopes that those kids grow up and then make films you know like that was adorable yeah i thought that was a really like he was like you know we i just hope that those young kids know that this is a safe place and maybe they'll come and be patrons or contributors to the festival when they get older knowing that it's a safe space yeah and i thought that that was a really um awesome thing 
Uh, getting invited to this film festival was an opportunity that we did not want to miss. You're going to hear several episodes taken from the Holy Land. Um, and we talked about some films today, but uh, we're also just starting to get out there. There's going to be a bunch of stuff coming on, coming up about the Holy Land. I'm sure this experience is going to frame and shape. Um, at least even how we envision the Holy Land. I mean, we've been, I'm saying, I was telling our tour guide, uh, we have a queer tour guide, and I was telling him in preparation for us going that I'm going to be going to a land that I've been imagining about since Truly, I was coloring it. And honestly, coloring and looking at the map in the back of the Bible, like, there's Nazareth, there's like, yeah, like, honestly, like, I mean, I, I didn't want to miss this so much that I think I don't have a job to go back to when I'm, when we get back to America. Yeah, so if so, you're listening and you want to employ Azariah Southworth, um, this job ain't paying him, so <laughs> uh, please uh, call in and we can have a praise report for Ozzy's new job, or maybe he's being used for, for good um, because he's got so many skills. Um, but yeah, we're going to visit some of those holy sites. We're going to be visiting the places where Jesus walked, where he taught where he ate, where he performed his ministry, and we're going to take you along with us. I yes. know for lunch, I'm, I, I, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm living the full fantasy. And I'm, <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> <We are. laughs> listen to this, yes, Jesuit, listen. So I'm going in, I'm wearing leather sandals, mm-hmm. okay? I'm wearing white shorts and a white shirt, and I'm carrying a walking stick. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> she is what? Because she's not thinking. No. And I am going to eat fish for lunch. I want to eat fish for lunch in Jerusalem. Like Absolutely. I must. Do like a must, must, must. Do a must, double must. order. And, um, you know, as we visit the Western Wall and as we do all of these sacred things, I know I'm going to be in the my Wailing crime. Wall. Yes. Yeah. In the, West, the Wailing Wall. Um, as we visit the Wailing Wall, I know that I'm going to be in my um, tears. Like I'm going to be in yeah, my moment. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's just because my back's going to be hurting from all those steps <laughs> <laughs> and all those inclines. But also then the fact that we're going to the only queer bar in Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. like, I don't even know. So we, you know, I don't know how much we would be accepted in the Holy Land walking around seeing like, what are your prayers for queers? Like, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know how that's going to be accepted. (laughs) I don't anticipate as much as I would love to. I don't know if maybe the second visit we could do something like that. But I am going to be asking that question in the the gay bar. To the bartender and to everybody that walks in, um, I want to know, and maybe we can get some good uh, audio of what people think the, the messages for queer people. Um, so we hope to bring you some really cool content. Yeah. Um, this is an incredible experience. Oh, and then, and then to finish my, <laughs> to finish the full fantasy at the very end, I'm going to take the, because we're not, we're not going to the Dead Sea on the same day, but I'm going to take the white clothes and then I'm going to uh, make a dirt shirt. I'm going to like oh, yeah, 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 tie yeah, yeah. tie them in dirt from uh-huh. the Dead Sea. Yeah, I love that. And so then I'll have like this cool tie dye outfit, and people will be like, "I love it." And I'll be like, "I died at the Dead Sea." <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned for that, that for sure. Um, yeah, yes, just so it's, we got a lot coming your way, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of us sharing with some of the, sharing with you some of the great queer films we've seen here in the Holy Land. Um, but in these upcoming episodes, we are going to be talking to people about what it's like to be living in this holy land, what it means for their faith, for their everyday life, and what they're thankful for and what they fear. So we want to know what the people living in God's holy land are experiencing today, and we're going to take you on that journey with us. So stay tuned. Yeah, Jay, what are you most excited about? I can't wait for the Dead Sea. Yeah, right? I, I, um, like, I cannot wait for that. You're rabid for it. Yeah, I want to do it all, though. 
Yeah, I want to do it all. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm equally excited for all of that. Well, we're going to come back and we're definitely going to tell you about that. You guys, thank you for joining us today and Yash Jesus for your Tide Love Offering Charity Act of Good this week. Yeah, this has been a theme for us lately, but if you want queer art and beauty in the world, you need to support it. Attend your local film festival, find where you can watch or stream these films that we've talked about, and find the queer filmmaker and storyteller in your life. They are going to need all the love and support they can get and you have the open arms to provide that. And I'd just like to add to that, if there isn't a local queer film festival, maybe make one. Yes! Right? All you need is a projector and a, sh- and a white screen, and you got it going on. That's right. right. So see what in happens. In your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> so Start listen, somewhere. You, you may have followers, but if your followers are not actively engaging with each other, learning from each other, and just vibing regularly, then you don't have a community. Okay? So please reach out to us, because we want to know our community. We just want to know who you are. We want to feel your essence and your presence. So, um... We're going to now uh, close for the closing prayer. Please bow your heads unless you're driving because Jesus can't actually take the wheel. God, we want to thank you. We want to thank you so much for the stories that we tell when we gather. We want to thank you for the films and the art that tell all of the stories of triumphs and challenges of being queer, about the stories of faith of queer people and our allies. And we want to pray for strength of our queer students and their allies that are standing up to and walking out of their religious schools. God, it is so hard to take a stand when it feels like the institution has all the power, but we give you thanks for the black menaces and reap who continue to be a voice for justice, for welcome and for inclusion. We lift up the prayer of Beth about the care of aging parents. Parents are stubborn and resistant and children will need both love and patience. Thank you for inclusive places like Inclusive Gathering Birmingham. Let their community and their ministry grow for everyone who lives on this holy land, for everyone who visits. We pray for peace here and in the world. Absolutely. Amen. Thank Amen. you so much. And thank you for listening to another episode of Yes Jesus. Jay Bavaro, thank you for being here yeah, with us on yeah. Yes Jesus. Thank you for having me. I love you guys. Yes. You can find us on social media at Yes Jesus Pod or on our website at yasjesuspod.com. Now, if you like the show, please buy us the coffee. I say it every week for the price. I feel like Sally Struthers. For the price of a <laughs> cup of coffee. <laughs> You too can help Yes Jesus. Or you can consider becoming a monthly sponsor, you big shot. Come on, find the link and do both in the show notes. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review or share us with a friend. Doing so helps us reach new people. Jay really liked that Sally Show this reference. Um, and we keep the show running. You can now leave an audio prayer request or praise report on our website, yesjesuspod.com. We would love to share your voice and your prayers on the show. So sweetie, honey girl, drop us a line or send us a prayer recording on Yash. Jesuspod.com. The arms of an angel. Yeah, send us your praise reports, your prayer requests, your episode ideas, guest ideas, or even just a hey, I'm inviting you to a party in the Holy Land. What's it going to take to get you into this fishes and then? Look, we'd love to hear from you, okay? Yash Jesus is hosted by me, Danny Francesi, and my fishy friend. <laughs> of men only, Azaria Southworth. Music, sound, editing, and all things audio are done by Chris Heckman. Our show is produced by the freaking Deacon Ross Murray and Meredith Polly. But for all of you men's and thems and everybody in between, we're streaming and screaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And to those in the great beyond, well, no, no, that sounds like death. <laughs> I meant beyond the gender spectrum. God loves you just as you are. So coast and coast and all around the world, keep praising the Lord, y'all. Woohoo!
don't forget to check Sally's truck. <laughs> <laughs>